Good morning. <clears throat> I, I'll be honest with you, I couldn't have just expected nor appreciated a better song selection than this morning. Holy, holy, holy is our Lord God Almighty. I wanted to <clears throat> share with you this morning is today we'll get a glimpse of heaven. Several years ago, my older boys, uh, some of you know them, some of you may not have met them yet, but I have two grown children, and uh, they live in different states, and for Tip and I's 25th anniversary, they got us a cruise. And we were excited about it, and we had to wait a little bit before we went on it, but we was able to go on this ship called the Carnival Sunshine. Now, I'd never been on a cruise, been fishing in the ocean, but I've never been on a cruise, you know, a lot big difference. <clears throat> And we were so excited, and we were still living in Pennsylvania, and we came down here uh, to, to leave our younger children with, with our family and then went to Charleston to get on this ship. Now, we don't know what's going on. We've watched YouTube videos. Let me tell you something. YouTube has messed the world up. <laughs> but anyway, you know, but I'll tell you, it was right on some things. But to make a long story short, the first day you get on this ship and you go through customs and all that, they have what's called muster call. And we didn't know what that was. All we needed to know was we was, port to, was supposed to port to deck number five for muster call. Well, take into consideration that 5,000 people are on this ship, and all 5,000 of them were there for muster call. And they put you on these decks and then stack you in rows. And I can promise you at that time it was not COVID safe. Okay? <laughs> we're all like this, and Tiff and I had gotten there early, which they said on YouTube not to get there early because you'll be stuck at the back. And sure enough, we were. And what they do is the whole point of muster call is to prepare you just in case the ship goes down. Now, that's a wonderful thought, isn't it? Because Tiffany was a little concerned. She said, I don't want a Titanic on this thing. And, you know, we was concerned. But we, we get on it. In, in, in the illustration that I'm wanting to point out with this is while you're there on that deck, that's where all the lifeboats are. And they don't even look like little boats. They look like little submarines. And as we're sitting there listening to them tell us about, okay, if, if, if the ship goes down, we give a distress call to abandon ship. You need to be at this section. This is your ship. There is our boat. This, there's enough food on this boat for a week to 10 days for so many people. Now, regardless of what happens outside, this boat is made to stay afloat. Come a hurricane or whatever it may be, this boat will sustain you. And it made me think a few moments. First of all, if I didn't like that claustrophobia, I definitely wasn't going to like being on a boat with 25 people. But it would save my life. Now see, the point I want to make with this is this. The point that they had made was regardless of what goes on outside, we are protected inside. We were sealed. And I talked a little bit about this last week about being sealed. Who is able to stand in the midst of this tribulation? Those that have been sealed. And as I shared with you last week, we're going to get into this, and I really went into depth on Wednesday because people had emailed me some things or texted me some things in question talking about the 144,000. And I went over, that, went over that when it says there's different viewpoints of it, whether it's a literal number or whether it's an actual uh, um, or symbolic number of a great multitude of those that have been sealed and redeemed. We went through some of this. 
But what I wanted to share with you this morning, again, as I've shared with you before, we need to look at the deeper meaning that is said about those who have been sealed. And I could not help, but as I was studying this passage, look at a few things that I think ought to give you great encouragement. If I could have told you to be back there when we were praying just a few moments ago, we prayed for what's going on with our neighbor Canada and a lot of the persecution that's happening. We pray continuously for the persecuted church in China. And we pray for people who are going through a lot of things right now that are our neighbors. Again, for far too long, we have thought a lot of things are happening uh, outside our walls and they're not applicable to us. Would you agree with that? But you'll see that during this time of tribulation, and we talked a little bit about this last Sunday, that the angels and the four corners, which is the compass direction of the earth, halted the winds and the storms and the seas and said, these are the ones I will seal. Okay? He talks about the 144,000. And we went through that a little bit. And like I say, I went through it Wednesday. But he's talking whether you mean it's literal or whether it's symbolic. I want you to understand that the only ones that are going to be able to stand during all this are those that are sealed. From every tribe, every nation, only those that are sealed will be in the presence of God. Understand this. This is very important. That as persecution comes, as things come our way, you will find out who is real. There's two points I want to make to you this morning that I will go through this text that ought to give you encouragement when we read it. Number one, they were preserved. And number two, they persevered. You've got to get this. Because if we don't get this, all the other things that we've learned through Revelation are meaningless from then on. You see, a lot of times we read verses and we take Scripture and we look at it and how to make it applicable at that particular point in time in our lives and we don't look to see Man, the Old Testament points to Jesus. The New Testament points to Jesus. The Bible points to Jesus. And there's deeper meanings and thoughts than a lot of times what we'll observe right off the bat. We'll see a verse, make a conclusion about that verse, and say, man, that's what God means, is it? Always look to the Word of God for your inspiration. But this right here, a lot of people see these verses and go, let me tell you something. This encourages me this morning. And if you have your Bibles, turn with me. If you do not, you can look up in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 through 17. And he has just talked about the 144,000 that's been sealed. Okay? And he lists the tribes. Then all of a sudden, listen. And I'll make a point with those and these two, but listen. He says in verse 9, after this I looked. Okay? This is a scene in heaven. Okay? After this, I looked, and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language, which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God. Now, I'm going to stop there for a minute. Look at verse 9. After this, I looked. And there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language, which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Let me tell you something. I don't care where you've been, where you're from, whether you're Jew, whether you're Gentile. If you are born again believer in Jesus Christ, you've been sealed. 
and he looks and he sees this great multitude before him. He's in heaven and they were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. This is important and this is why I want to focus on this for a few minutes. This is so beautiful. Here they are clothed in white robes. Why are they in white? Because they have persevered and they have been preserved. They are clean because of the red blood of Jesus Christ. This is very important. And they have palm branches. Now the more I studied this and got into this, the more I was fascinated. You see, the palm branches is a sign of victory. As a matter of fact, the Bible records that when Jesus went into Jerusalem, they waved palm branches. Remember? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Okay? But a week later, less than a week, they'd what? They turned on him. You see, the palm branches was a symbol of victory. It was a symbol of triumph. And the king that they wanted was not the king that they got, but the king that they needed. So they wave in palm branches. And I thought about this because there must be, there must be with palm branches, when I look a little deeper into Scripture, a deeper thought. And it takes me back to the festival of booths. You see, what's very interesting in the festival of booths is, for, is celebrated at the pinnacle of the year, the crown of the year, when the harvest has been taken in. And they would gather palm branches and they would take them into the temple. Now listen, this is so beautiful. Not only were they celebrating God's provision, Yahweh's provision during the desert wanderings, but they were celebrating the anticipation of the coming Messianic kingdom. Do you hear me? The anticipation, listen, that God would again dwell with his people. That's powerful that God will dwell with his people. And I think about this, and I could not help but wonder that we sing that song so many times, is he worthy? Does our God intend to dwell again with us? He does. That ought to excite you, people. Because here this group is. Now listen. There's a vast multitude. They have been sealed. A sack full of people, as I often say. They've been sealed. Listen. They've been sealed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And they're standing with palm branches and white robes because not only are they celebrating victory, they are pure. They are holy because of Christ. Not because of what they've done, but they have been preserved and they have persevered. This is very important during this time that those who stood firm when the world outside was totally against them. As I've said many times before, you will see as this world gets rougher and rougher and sinful and hateful. Why? Because men love darkness rather than light. But they persevered. And here John is in the kingdom. And look what it says. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne and the Lamb. Do you hear what he's saying? That everything God had promised, he meant it. They see the reality of their suffering. They see the reality of their faith. They see the reality of God said what he said he said, and he did what he said he said. He meant it. 
and all the angels around the throne, and along with the elders and the four living creatures, they fell face down before the throne and worshipped God. They all bowed. The sign of getting prostrate down on your face and worshiping He who alone is worthy. And this is so beautiful. Listen. Saying amen. Amen means so be it. I want to give a little side note on amen for a few moments. Because oftentimes amen is like other Bible verses we use. We take completely out of text or we don't really know what to mean. Have you ever heard people amen to something they shouldn't be amening to? Somebody's going to burn in hell like a crispy piece of bacon. Amen! Shouldn't be something to be amening to, but oh men. But amen, and so be it, God. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving, honor and power and strength. Seven things. You see that? Seven is a number of completeness. He alone is worthy of blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. He said it again. You see, in the midst of this scene in heaven, as they are sitting there like, or standing there like they were in Revelation chapter 4, he has surrounded the throne with praise and glory to Christ and Lord God Almighty. Do you see that? That as we see his first scene in heaven, there's worship. We see this scene, there's worship because he alone, he alone, he alone is worthy of all worship. Then one of the elders asked me, who are these people in white robes and where did they come from? I said to him, sir, you know. Then he told me these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And for this reason, circle that. And for this reason, they are before the throne of God. Did you see this? For this reason, because they are preserved and they have persevered. Now, I could go into a long discourse with this, and for a few moments I may. But I want you to think about what is being said here. These are the people who have been washed white because they are victors in Christ. Their faith and trust is in Him. Now, just like he said in Scripture, this tribulation that is going on, these that have been called and sealed in it are just like that lifeboat. You see, even though I would be in that lifeboat, it does not stop the storms and the troubles that surround me. But I am kept safe in that ship because of those things and because it is a safe place to be. Just because you are born again believer in Christ does not mean you will escape tribulation. But you are sealed by the hand of mighty God to go with you through it. Sometimes I think we misunderstand 
that when we go through trials or tribulations and go through these great tribulations, that everything is supposed to get better in an earthly sense, that we're all supposed to escape death. But in Christ, death is victory. Do you hear me? It's victory because they are getting what Christ promised. The average person lives 72 years. 72 years. That's an average. You know what average is? You take the lowest, take the highest, you add them together and divide by two or three or five or how many ever is in there. And here's the point. You know as well as I know that death is no respecter of persons. And what is temporary on this earth is eternal either in presence of Christ or in hell. There's no in-between. These persevered. And they're in the kingdom in the presence of Christ. And I want to encourage you today that as this world gets tougher and tougher, persevere in Christ. I have said many times, we about, like my wife said, we're about to see who's real. Because I can assure you it wasn't somebody, these guys that persevered, and I'm not being flippant with this. I'm, I want you to listen to me because I'm like a very valid point. These people didn't persevere because they got mad because a family member cut them off, because they lost a friend, because they lost their home, because they lost their job. Those are bad things. They went through sickness. But they persevered that they felt joy when going through these things, even death, that they knew who to hold to. This is very important. That being preserved and persevered means regardless of what throws at it, uh, is thrown at us, we hold on to him that is faithful. Because he promised us. And he'll never leave us or forsake us. You see, as we went back into Revelation chapter 6, remember? When the martyrs cried out, how long, oh Lord? There's got to be a few more die. Wait just a little bit longer. You see, sometimes God's plan includes death. And eventually all of it will. And whether it's through persecution or natural causes, we're all got an appointment with death. So you've got to ask yourself, have you been whitewashed? By the blood of the Lamb. If you have, you're sealed. If you have not, you are not. You see, it's not you that washes the clothes white. It is Christ's red blood that washes the clothes white. And see, what John is seeing in this scene in heaven is those who persevered in the worst of circumstances. Those were the ones that's real. You see, I find it interesting when we look at the 144,000, this multitude that we're reading through in this book, there's a remnant. Think about this. There's a remnant. There is a preserved people. It didn't say everybody, did it? Because not everybody that calls upon me, Lord, Lord, will enter into heaven, but he that does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And in the midst of this tribulation, it wasn't something that they did themselves. It's the only thing that they could go, the only way they could get through it is by the hand of God. There's a difference. 
I have met many of you and talked to many of you. In my 20 years in ministry, I've met many people that will attest that the only way that I get through this or have gotten through this is by the hand of God. I'll never forget, like I said, there's very been few people that have oozed with Jesus in front of me, and, I, and I'm not trying to say that in a derogatory manner, but I'm sitting there that I learned a lot in my, in my immaturity that I'm sitting here watching this person that is going through the horriblest time in their life, have lost all their immediate family members pretty much. They're the only one left sitting there rotting from the inside out and say, glory be to God for he is worthy. How do you say that? You don't. Christ does in you. And that's the difference. And the Bible tells that they're giving him praise. They're giving him the glory that he alone deserves. And it says, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation, washed their robes and made them white by the blood of the Lamb. And because of this, they are before the throne. And they serve him day and night in his temple. They joyfully serve him. Because once you know who's king and you come to the understanding of what that king has done for you, you realize that you must and will joyfully serve him. This is very important. A lot of people have fellowship about God but don't have fellowship with God. You see, a lot of people know a lot of things about Jesus, but they don't have fellowship with him. They are fellowshipping with him as their great shepherd. I'm going to get into that in just a few moments. You see, what's very interesting about shepherds and sheep, a lot of times we want to be the shepherd and not the sheep. You see, we want to be the shepherd because we want to feed on the sheep. A shepherd feeds the sheep. And these people here are those who alone know Christ is worthy of all praise. They know that he is worthy of all worship. You see, I have to go back to something Paris Reed had said, and it really gave me a really eye-opening uh, illustration of salvation. You see, when they cry out salvation belongs to God, sometimes I don't think we understand that. And he said, you know, I really believe those that are truly saved are those that say, even if I ended up in hell along the way, that you alone are worthy to be praised and honored, and I'm not trying to make a bargain with you. When he said that, that shocked me. How could you say that? What do you mean if I end up in hell? He's saying regardless of whatever God had planned, he alone is worthy of all worship, regardless of your circumstance. And you're not trying to make a deal with him. In other words, I'm not trying to make a deal with a relationship with God to get fire insurance. I am coming to Christ knowing that I am unworthy to stand alone. And that it's not that I'm afraid that I'm going to have my skin burned by fire. I am fearful because I've got to stand before a holy God. There's a big difference. Because none of us can stand. Not one can stand unless you have been sealed. This is very important. And regardless of the circumstances... Just like Paul, who valued salvation so much and his brothers would have it, 
that he was willing to go to hell for them. Uh, really? Read Romans chapter 9. For I'm willing myself to be a curse from Christ if it would save my kinsmen. My, my list to go to hell for is a short one. Just like Paris Reed had seen, and I think we sometimes miss what they're saying, but here's the point they're making. Again, that Christ alone is worthy. In him being worthy, only by him can you be saved. It's not about making a profession of faith that's empty. It's not whether you've prayed a prayer, but those who are sold out 100% completely for the glory of God through Jesus Christ. Faith and repentance must go hand in hand. And those who have faith and repentance in Jesus Christ are the ones that are sealed and know who to cling to regardless of circumstances. You know, I often think about that. You say, Chad, you're bringing out some tough things. I want you to understand that if you have been sealed by Jesus Christ, you ought to be celebrating. And I'm going to tell you why, if I could use another illustration. You see, as I spoke to you a little earlier in this series, or probably a few weeks ago, I told you about Job, that how Job had come up to Joe, I'm sorry, that Satan had come to the presence of the Lord and asked to touch Job's body. Now, one thing we learned about that in the last lesson was, first of all, Satan can't do nothing that God won't allow. Don't ever forget that. But what's very powerful about this is God, that whole book that I used to struggle with was a book written that God would vindicate his name. Okay? Now, during all this, Job's body is touched. His family is removed from him. His body is miserable because he had been touched with ailments. And all of a sudden, you got these three friends that are going to tell you why. And another one to come on a little later. Have you ever been around people that want to tell you what all your problems are and they're some of the annoyingest people you'll ever meet? Well, I'll tell you why. Really, I don't want to hear why. I can tell you what, when I'm in misery or sick, I don't want nobody speaking to me. And my wife will tell you, I'm not, when I'm sick, I'm grumpy. Let me just lay there and whatever I'm doing in peace. But here this man has had everything taken from him. This is key. Not only is he tormented by that, he's tormented by these people that are around him. As a matter of fact, so often I've often heard people need to have the patience of Job. You need to read the Bible because by chapter 3, his patience ran out. But now all of a sudden his nerves are shot because he's got people. And a fourth one would come into the scene. And all Job wants to do is defend himself. Now listen. And all of a sudden, about 38 or 39, God shows up. And the first thing that he says to Job is this, Who are you that darkens my counsel without knowledge? That is a very powerful statement. And Job will end up repenting. Now you may think, I used to struggle with this. This ain't right. Let me tell you something. And this is what we've got to understand. First of all, God can do with us what he wants to do with us. But what Job comes to the understanding is though Satan touched his body and took things away from him, God had sealed his soul. 
That's the one thing you can't miss in this. Because Job repents. I get it. That he could have lost everything. But he wasn't able to touch his life because that belonged to God. Do you see this? It didn't change the fact that Job lost his family. It didn't change the fact that he lost his health. And people say, well, Job was blessed so much in the end. It still don't change the fact that he lost his family and his things. We can't miss this. But one thing is very obvious. God was in control of his life and Job was sealed. Do you see the point with all this? Just because we have been sealed does not mean we'll escape death and trouble. Please hear me. But the glory of God is worth it all. And look what it says. Now I got hung up and got wound up. Look. For this reason they are before the throne of God, and they serve him night in his temple. The one seated on the throne will shelter them. God is still at the center of the throne, and he will shelter you. Now listen, another hymn. The one seated on the throne will shelter them, for they will no longer hunger. You know, I don't know what it's like to be hungry. Now, I've said I've been hungry, but I don't know what hunger's like. I've never had to starve. There are people that do. But hunger is a material need for your material body. Keep that in mind. They will no longer thirst. Oh, I know what it's like to be thirsty. I often tell people there's nothing more refreshing than a Fiji water after a hard day's work. Nothing quenches the thirst like water. But water is a physical thing for a material body. The sun will no longer strike them. Have you ever been sunburnt? Nor will any scorching heat. Fire burns. You see, what struck me the most about this passage, this is the point I want you to get. The sun will no longer. You will no longer thirst. No longer be hungry. We are sealed by God's hand. But just as these who John sees in the great tribulation suffer, so will we. We are no different in the fact that we will face persecution and suffering. And the thought that we want is a very dangerous theology. For the Lamb who is at the center of the throne will shepherd them. He will guide them to springs of waters of life and God will wipe away all tears from the eyes. Jesus was telling in his earthly ministry don't put your faith and trust in things. 
Don't put your trust in those things which are here today and gone tomorrow. Trust in me. Can you not see it? Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He is the restorer. Jesus, the water that I will give you, you will never thirst again. So oftentimes we look for the physical. We look for the material to bring us satisfaction. And that's why Solomon said, the eyes never pleased with seeing nor the ear hearing because that that you have will never satisfy you. These knew their satisfaction and fullness came from Christ and Him alone. And that's why they're before the throne, even in the midst of persecution. You see, the one thing that I learned through this or many things is I'm going to give you a word that I think I need you to hold to very seriously. It's called total dependence. You see, their total dependence was on God and His Son, Jesus Christ. As I was sharing with someone a little earlier that Tiff and I were able to go out for uh, a Friday night until they called me into work and I had to work all night. That's beside the point. I'm not grumpy about that. But anyway, now you laugh, thanks. Anyway, uh, I was able to, to spend a few moments with Tiffany and saw a beautiful family that we saw at the same restaurant. But I don't know if they saw it, but what I saw is they had sat and placed me and Tiffany at a two-person table right there at the entrance. That way everybody can stare at your food and you can stare at them when they come in. <laughs> but what I noticed, and me and Tiffany got to laughing. Now listen, here come a mom and dad in and three children behind them, I promise you, like this. I promise you, all three in a row, from big to small. I couldn't help but laugh. If we were more dependent on Christ and we were this, what would the world be? We depend on material things. And we got this saying at work, eyes on path. I guarantee you, if there had been an alligator, ostrich, or aardvark right there, they'd have never saw it. And they would have failed. Our total dependence oftentimes are on things, even us as believers. Because we think God's going God to rescue us from materialism. That's why you have all these other evangelicals supposedly getting up there promising you this thing materialistically because it pleases the ears. It pleases the eyes. I can have my house payment multiplied seven times if I'll give him this house money. No, because I'll run a rabbit with that and I don't want to. Because then I'll be preaching what Chad wants to preach, okay? But I'll tell you this. Total dependence on God means total dependence on Him. We depend on things instead of depending on Christ. These that are sealed depend on Christ because, again, they know that He alone is worthy. That's why they're praising Him. They know that their life has been rescued by the Lamb of God. They were preserved and they persevered. 
If I could ask you how strong is your perseverance, what would you say? Let's talk about that just for a few moments, and I'm going to close. Are you one of these that give up easily? We're on air, so I can't use that one. But anyway, I often notice, and we'll see our children do this, that instead of tackling a math problem, they give up easy and want somebody to bail you out. You see, that's the mentality that we often take with God. Now, if we wait long enough, God will bail me out. What we do not realize is God has bailed us out by the Son, Jesus Christ, for those who have placed their faith and trust in Him. In His total dependence upon Him, the Bible tells me about perseverance means to remain faithful until the end. To hold unswervingly to the faith that I possess for he that promised is faithful. There's a story of George Mueller. If you've never heard of George Mueller, I ask that you look him up. He's a great man. The Bible, uh, the Bible tells me that Christ will leave me and forsake me, or never leave me or forsake me. The Bible tells me that God's word is sustaining and it's enough. And if I believe in it, God is going to prevail. And God's going to prevail whether I believe in it or not. But if I believe, God is true to his promises. George Mueller had five friends who were unbelievers. He prayed diligently for these five men. A couple of months, one got saved. Ten years later, two were saved. Twenty-five years later, the fourth one was saved. But it wasn't after till the, George Mueller died till the fifth one was saved. But George never stopped praying and believing. And see, this is perseverance, people. That those that are, that are sustained in the great tribulation didn't have everything removed from them. They suffered. And most probably died. But what they were rescued from is eternity separated from God because of their faith in Jesus Christ. They were sealed. And you see this scene of them worshiping and praising God for no longer do they thirst. No longer do they hunger. No longer do they weep. There's been a lot of tears shed around here over the past few weeks and months. And I can promise you if we continue to live, there'll be a lot more. But the Bible tells me that one day God's going to wipe away those tears. And there will be no more struggling. There will be no more crying. But a home in the presence of Jesus Christ, the Lamb who is worthy of all praise. You see, you can get lost a lot of times in the imagery of this. But the thing that amazes me, the thing that amazes me through all this is the message that we can't miss. That if we have been sealed by God, 
There's nothing that can take that away, not even any earthly torment. We are sealed. Last night, I kind of messed me up a little bit having to work all night Friday night and getting home yesterday morning. I told Tiffany, I said, you know, I don't realize I'm getting older, but I told Tiffany, I said, you know, I'm only asleep a few hours and I'll get up. So I lay down about 12 o'clock, I get up. I'm hungry, which that's a surprise. So Josiah wanted to go to Subway. So we're going to eat lunch. So we go to Subway. I eat my tuna sub. And as I'm coming back, I'm getting tired again. I said, if I go to sleep now, I won't be able to sleep tonight. So I went home, and I said, I'm only going to lay down for a minute. Next thing I know, it's five, whatever. So wow. So my day's completely shot. I'm wore out. So I get up for a few moments, and I said, you know what? I'm starting a new diet with my sons. See who can lose the most weight, and I need to do that. But I said, it's my last day. We got to go to Krispy Kreme. <laughs> so there we go. Look, I'm real, people. I, I'm just going to tell you. I, I mean, I mean, I am what I am. Okay. Hmm. Mm. -mm. Too far to drive. So. So we went to Krispy Kreme, and really, believe it or not, I didn't eat that many. I mean, I, but, I, but it, they tasted so good. But here's my point. I get home, and I'm still wore out. My body can't do what it used to. I mean, it broke my norm. You know what I mean? So I, so I told him, i got to go to bed. So here I go to bed, and this is not like me, because I get up 4.30 every day. But I go to bed, and I lay down, and I can't sleep. But I want to. And I hurt. So I just started, I said, Alexa, play Fernando Ortega. I love to hear him sing hymns. And I could not help, but all of a sudden now I'm wide awake on one of his songs. How firm a foundation. And you see, if you're not familiar with that hymn, I'm going to give you a little bit of education on it. You see, we don't know who wrote it. It was attributed to the letter K. Now, there's a man that published it, but nobody knows who wrote it. But it became one of the most beloved hymns ever sang. And what got me was this. Listen. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he hath said, to you for refuge to Jesus have fled. You see, this world will not bring you satisfaction. But listen, Fear not, I am with thee. Oh, be not dismayed, for I am thy God and will still give you aid. I'll strengthen thee, help thee, and cause thee to stand, upheld by my righteous, omnipotent hand. When through fiery trials my pathway shall lie, my grace all sufficient shall be thy supply. The flame shall not hurt thee, I only design thy droves to consume and thy gold to refine. That's beautiful. But listen to the last verse. 
that soul that on Jesus had leaned for repose. I will not, I will not desert to his foes. Though all of hell should endeavor to, or to, to, for endeavor to shake, I will never, no never, no never forsake. I cannot help but believe that they might not have sung this hymn but they sung a hymn and they sang and they held bravely and truthfully and faithfully to the one that promised them that through all of this they knew that regardless of what they went through God would never forsake them and now they're around the throne singing worthy is the lamb for salvation belongs to God and the lamb alone People, that's reason to celebrate. We sometimes get so caught up in the meaningless things of life and realize there's hope. You know, one day, somebody else is going to own that house on 160 Rector Street because I'll be gone. But because of Christ, I have a mansion in the presence of Jesus that nobody else is going to own. There's already a title to it. One day, somebody else is going to drive that Jeep and that Nissan truck I have, or it'll be in a junkyard, for it will be discarded like trash. One day, everything that I have done on this earth for my own good and for my benefit is going to be gone, and it's not going to matter. In the end, what's going to matter is who I clung to. You see, that ought to encourage us. Because I'm not going to sit here and promise you, just like these, that you're going to be delivered from every sort of torment there ever has been. I'm not going to tell you that you're going to be flee or that you're going to be free from all sickness. I'm not going to tell you that you're not going to lose money. I'm not going to tell you that one day you'll have to stand before somebody that says, Do you really believe what you believe? Are you willing to die for it? I cannot tell you that. I will not tell you that. But I will tell you this. That if you are faithful and hold unswervingly to the faith that you possess, he that promised is faithful. And no matter where you go, no matter what you do, you cling unswervingly to the cross. And he's got you. He sealed you. And one day, I praise God that I'll stand before people that come from different backgrounds, that come from different races, that come from different <coughs> ethnic origins. And we'll all stand together and worship the same Christ and the same God who saved us by the blood of the Lamb. Amen? Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. God, I thank you so much for all that you've done. Lord, I pray today that if for one that does not know you, Lord, that you would convict their hearts before it's eternally too late. Lord, I pray today that, Lord, you embolden us and strengthen us that through fiery trials our pathway may lie but your grace all sufficient will be our supply. 
God, I believe that this world can throw some nasty things at us because we don't wrestle flesh and blood. We wrestle the principalities of the dark. But God, you are greater than all things. God, I pray that you sustain us and you keep us. Lord, for those that are lost, again, convict them before it's eternally too late. Lord, for those that us are saved, that get down every now and then, filled with fear and doubt, Lord, we pray that through your name it be soothed. God, we ask for courage. We ask for strength. We ask for mercy. That God, everything that you give us is by your hand. Lord, we pray that we live like everything that has been given from your hand. For you alone are worthy of all praise. God, give us strength and let us hold to our hope and give us the sense of urgency to share the good news because without Jesus, there is no good news. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's stand and worship together.